0: This is the Mulligans Podcast, episode number five. I'm your host, Hayden Wright, along with my co-host here, Austin Cole. How's it going, Austin? We're doing good. We're ready to knock out this show. Awesome. Absolutely. Yeah. And Today we have on the show Mr. Chris Bounds. Thank you, Chris, for coming on. We really appreciate it. Um, so, A little bit about Chris before we get into it too deep. He is a, an investor, a mentor, and a 1% growth leader, top 1% growth leader and influencer with eXp, exp Realty. Um, Him and his wife, Jamie, have used over $18 million in private funds to flip over 200 houses, and he's also partnered in 384 multifamily units. So, Chris, how did you kind of get into real estate before? I obviously wanted to dive into deeper all of this, uh, but just to start us out, how did you get into real estate? What has your journey been so far?
1: Yeah, it was back in um, my college days, so that was 05 or it was probably late 04, and um I saw this like bandit sign. Um, you know how you see the little signs on the side of the road that say like, I don't know, free oil or uh, you know, discount oil change or we buy houses, like if we're staying real estate uh, focused. And it said, um, millionaire seeks min real estate millionaire seeks min Now, today, if I saw that, I'd be like, eh, what's that? <laughs> A really hungry, eager, and and naive college kid, I'm like hey, that sounds pretty cool. Uh, so I called him, told me he he had this like weekend boot camp that would teach you um, how to invest and in, how to buy pre-foreclosures. So before they go to the actual foreclosure auction. And um, I mean, jokingly, I say I was dumb enough to believe. I mean, so I signed up and I just put it all on the credit card. I didn't have the money. Um, so I signed up and then um, I jokingly say like, I was dumb enough to believe everything he said, so I just did it, and it worked. I actually bought my first deal in like three months and ended up doing like four um, um, throughout that first year, and uh, um, yeah, kind of the rest is history, so. (laughs) Wow. Well, that's awesome. So
0: let's unpack that a little bit. So you said you bought your first deal through this mentor you found from this bandit sign. Um, so was it a wholesale dealer or how, how, what was that? Well,
1: deal? no, so he taught me how to do it, um, which his whole strategy was you get the pre-foreclosure records, which in Texas, foreclosure time period is very short, like 21 days. Um, like, so you got to move quick. So right. I'm in College Station, like Google is like barely a thing. Um, and like most of the governments, like they're not online. So, but Bear County, which is where San Antonio, Texas is, it was one of the first, um first counties in the nation that was completely online so i'm in college station texas texas going to texas a m and i'm looking at pre-foreclosures in my dorm room while my buddies are out drinking um so on once saturday morning hits i can get really early drive all the way there it's a good you know a nice three and a half hour drive knock on doors all day come back i didn't have enough money for a hotel and then sometimes Sunday, I would go back and do it again, come back, and then get prepared for the week. So I, that's what I did. I, I knocked on doors, uh, trying to convince... Like, <laughs> trying to, I mean, here I am like 20 years old or whatever, 21, and <laughs> I get folks to, to sell me their house. So um, I can only imagine what some of them thought when I came up to the door. But three months later, yeah, I got my first deal.
2: How did you uh, some, some finance that like, um, deal, going, yeah. like the first one?
1: Yeah, so um, part of the... Uh, that mentor, like his, his, his uh, proposal was, Hey, look, if you, if you need help financing the deal, like he taught you how to find private lenders. So these are individual folks, whether it's family, friend, colleague, or just some other investor that they have money, they want a good return and you can borrow their money to buy it, pay them a good return. And then you pay them back when you sell the house. Um, I mean, I didn't really have those resources. So he was like, hey, I'll I'll partner with you on the deal and we'll split the proceeds. Um, And in doing that, I was actually able to gain experience. So I watched him close it. So I got the lead, set up the appointment where we both went back and met with the seller and actually closed the deal together. Um, So I got to watch that process. And then he used his private lender resources to close on it. And then we later sold it, which... Nowadays, you'd call that a whole tail deal where we closed on it and then later sold it to another investor as is. Gotcha.
0: Okay. So you knocked on doors for three months. How many doors do you think you knocked on before somebody finally said, yes, I'll sell you my house. I bet you were probably
1: taken back by it a good bit, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Funny story about that too. So um, th- th- like, there's no Google Maps and right. iPhone doesn't exist. Uh, Facebook is barely around. Um, and... I mean, I'm sure I get that. I mean, if, iPhone, if I phone, if I don't know if an iPhone existed, but I definitely didn't have one. <laughs> um, so I used like those foldable maps, like you probably, oh, wow. I, I don't know if you remember, but so <laughs> it's like very unsafe. So, but before I would like take all the properties and we'll, and we'll hit and I would draw like a dot on the map. And then I would look at all the dots and we're like, okay, well, where's my path? Like, this is the most... Uh, effective path like uh, time time effective path i can make i can i can use so that's what i did i'd get there and then start from one and then go from there uh, next next one so that specific house was the very last house of that of that day we were there about three months later very last house knocked on the door this this older man comes i say he's older he's probably in his upper 50s and um he just looks, I told him, I was like, Hey, sir, I just kind of came by to see if we can help you out with the house situation. And then I don't remember exactly what he said, but uh, if I were to guess, it was something like, you know, how can you help me? Mm. And then I'm like, it's kind of like Wiley e. Coyote, you know, he catches the road runner for the first time. It's like, yeah. Holy cow. Like what do we doing now?"
0: <laughs> I've never got this far, right? <laughs>
1: yeah. We, we haven't gotten that far. I mean, we've been yelled at, we've been ignored. Um, finally got the the road runner so um but basically we just kind of told him like we may be able to actually buy your house and stop the foreclosure and um and pay all the liens and all that so um i don't remember the exact details of of how we got from that point Mm -hmm. to the meeting but we did get that set up and uh i watched the uh my mentor end up closing the deal so it was fun
0: that's awesome so now i don't know if you've answered this already but now this is in San Antonio, Texas, and you were in College Station at the time. Right? Why were you so drawn to San Antonio as opposed to you know just walking out your front door and doing the same thing in,
1: in College Station? Like I could I could sit in my dorm room and go online and get all the records. Okay. Um, so in College Station, well, I mean, you'd have to go to the county clerk's office and like filter through all the paper, mm. um, which we did to a degree. We never did any deals there, um, and I and I say we. I had a business partner um, at the time, someone I went to college with. Um, but yeah, it was just, it was online. Gotcha.
0: Okay. That makes sense. So now you have this conversation, your mentor swoops in and, and you work through the deal together. Um, so, and then are you still worth that mentor today? Are you still talk to him and keep up with them? Is this, um, I mean, I've, I've,
1: I've said hi a couple times, um, <laughs> and checked in with them. And, um, but I mean, I don't do any other business. That was the only deal I did business with him. Um, and like the class was great. It was very fundamental. I mean, I didn't have anything to compare it to. Right. So that's why well, I jokingly say, I just believed everything you said and I did it. In hindsight today, um, some of the strategies were a little risky, um, and, and I wouldn't recommend, but the whole, um, it, basically the marketing and, and, and gorilla, like door knocking, like that's golden. Like that's, that's really good. Um, And and the general philosophy now at the time, like, I mean, he was doing what he did and it was successful for him and that was great. And um, he had students that worked out, worked out for me today. I do things differently, but uh, ultimately I took action that that's, that's why I say I jokingly, I believe everything he said, because I didn't know anything better and I just did it. So, and then I went from there. Cause I, I learned different things and uh, you know, I made adjustments and uh, bought different types of houses and ended up doing some lease options and um, actually had a rental at one point. Ended up doing a a wholesale deal, which I didn't even know what a whole, it was actually a double close wholesale. <laughs> didn't even know that what that was. Um, but I did one. Um, I think that was deal number. I think it was deal number two um, was it was that one uh, two or three. So um
0: yeah. Okay. So yeah, that was, that was kind of my next question is so 20, something year old Chris just gets this first deal with his mentor um, made a little bit of money on it. I'm sure. What, what happened in your head? What was the next step? What were you thinking? Um, and, and where did you go from there?
1: Um, I'm thinking, Holy cow. I just like printed money. <laughs> Cause I mean, I'm a broke college kid. Right uh, now. I'm glad I had the money now. I and mean, I don't remember how much we made on it it was probably like 17,000 or wow. 15,000 for a college kid. Like I'm rich. <laughs> um, so now I, I had to pay off the credit card and, and stuff and that funded some marketing, mm-hmm. but I'm like, filled pretty good. Cause basically I printed money. I was able to make money on something that otherwise would have just gone to foreclosure and it would have been lost or I guess recouped by the bank. Um, but yeah, the, the deal number two was in Waco, Texas. That, so that's my hometown. Okay. And they uh I'd have to go back for the holidays, so when I was there I just then I went to the county records and uh found this other house that was in violation of code compliance or mm-hmm. basically like if your house needs a lot of repairs or it's a dangerous mm-hmm. building or in some nice communities if you you didn't mow the yard that weekend well you could get a citation. <laughs> well, this one had right. that. So, I got a hold of the owner who actually was the estate uh, or the executor of the estate. So the owner had passed away. His friend was the executor. I guess he didn't have any surviving family members. And this friend lived in Dallas. So this whole, this, this house, an otherwise jonker and down like kind of in the in town part of Waco, not, not, not the best area. Right. It was was a pain for him. It was a pain in the butt. So we were able to negotiate a deal um, to where, I, mean, I don't remember the prices, but we kind of haggled on price, got a good price. I go to close on it. But meanwhile, I'd already found a buyer and the title company allowed the buyer's funds to pay for everything. And I just took a spread. So um, you probably can't do that today because um, mm-hmm. title typically wants like a clean A transaction before you go to a B transaction. Right. But um, at the time I was able to actually get B um to come in and sign and then a got paid um but the the funny thing about that story is that was on the code compliance list but it shouldn't have been really there was a shed in the back that had already been demolished it was like i guess about to fall over so the city demolished it um but that was months before they just never took it off the list oh god interesting they were were taking off the list i would have never known about it
0: yeah that's kind of crazy how that happened Okay, so now, your second deal is under, under your belt. When do you start shifting into the mindset of you know learning how to raise private money, doing flips on your own, and is that something that you still do you still door knocking um,
1: so yeah, yeah. no that? that doesn't happen for six years <laughs> so graduate, go to A&M, my business partner moves like so like we're not working together anymore, and you know I'm not going to build a business that like can you know, only like get half the profit so. Still had a couple rentals, let those ride out. But otherwise I actually had a high paying sales job in, in Houston. And the thing that gets in, a, in the way of a great life is a good life. I had virtually no debt, had a couple extra rental properties. So that was a little bit of extra income. I mean, not really a lot, but um, otherwise I made really good money as a sales guy and I'm single, like no debt, I had a roommate. So half my living costs were covered too. Uh, not a bad situation. But now I'm starting to enjoy like post-college, like life with money. Like I never had money before. Um, So I'm I'm kind of enjoying that. And then I got married in 2011. That changed everything. Now I'm thinking of the future and um, going back to, hey, I need to go back to building wealth and and passive income and real estate's what I knew. And so I dropped this bomb on, on my wife's lap like month, like, I don't even know if it was a month. She she probably knows. And she tells the story a lot better than I do because um, basically we're married, still in that honeymoon phase. I'm like, hey babe, I, w- I, wanna, I wanna go flip houses. Like I wanna, I wanna flip houses. And she knew I did that in college, but she comes from a very traditional background where you get a job, you work, you retire. She was a teacher. That's just, I mean, that's what she knew. So um, she wasn't quite prepared, but she was supportive. <laughs> And um, ended up, uh, we did the same thing. The only thing I knew, knock into our pre-foreclosures. And uh, it was the very, f- I think it was the very first house of the first month. Um, and we bought that house. Wow. One, of, one <laughs> of the most favorite houses ever because it's significant in a few ways. One, we got the deal, that's cool. That was our first deal together. Two, we made over a hundred grand on that deal uh gross wow uh over a three-year period and uh, and three it allowed me to quit my job <laughs> so it was a very <laughs> significant deal but um we, that was a deal we were going to flip we would have made about 25 grand if we flipped it we held it as a rental and mm. i call this strategy now the slow flip strategy uh, which is basically you flip you just flip it over a three to five, six-year period, not a three to five, six month period. So you're out, you're able to take advantage of so many extra things like appreciation, debt pay down, which that part's you know a little bit smaller, cash flow from, from the uh, rent, and then tax benefits. Um, so had we flipped it, it would have been about 25 grand, maybe 30. And then it would have been a uh, short-term capital gain. So taxed at a higher rate because we both had jobs, but we didn't. We rented it out, got tons of tax benefits, sold it three years later for over a hundred grand. And it was at the same time my company slashed my salary in half. So Ooh. I'm like, like, both of those happen simultaneously. So we're like, That's hey, a <laughs> so like real estate thing, I think it's time to go full-time. Wow. Was That's that the crazy. original
2: plan going into the deal that you were going to hold it for 3 years?
1: No, we we were going to we were going we to flip it. Gotcha. Now, when when we when we bought it as a rental, so if if it's the question what we were going to do when we decided to rent it, um, I don't think we had a specific time. So what happened is is um, like when your properties appreciate, typically your taxes and insurance costs are going to outpace rent increases. Now, that's market specific. I mean, if you're in Phoenix or you know, San Francisco or whatever, all all those are going to be different. Jacksonville, Mississippi, mm-hmm. but in, in this market, appreciation in 2011, um, when we bought it, from 2014 when we sold it, like uh, or 20, yeah, you know, somewhere around there, it went up. It went up a lot. I didn't. I didn't really. I didn't have any strategic plan on. Hey, home prices are going to go up lot. I just knew that, eh, we're not really going to make a lot when we just rent it out. That's what we want to do anyway. Passive income, build wealth. Let's just do this. And um, it worked out really well. Now we understand that in hindsight now. So this has become a, a, a more strategic mm-hmm. uh, uh, exit strategy for us now, as opposed to we just did it.
0: Gotcha. Okay. So now when, when you're renovating, renovating the par- property, are you doing that all at once? Or are you slowly doing
1: that throughout the, the the time span, the three to five year period? Oh, no. Um, I mean, Well, it depends on the property. So usually if you're getting properties at a discount, they, I mean, they're pretty ugly uh, or very outdated. So you're typically going to go in and just do a full remodel, which okay. is what we did. Now, you don't have to remodel it the way you want to live in it. You're right. remodeling it to the, meet area. the comps mm-hmm. of whatever you're trying to sell it for or rent it for so that's what we did um now when the tenant moves out and we want to sell it we had to do another remodel to let it meet where we're trying to sell it for um so that that's how we approach it if the home is in good condition like move-in ready and it's not like 1990s or 80s uh, (laughs) condition then uh we may do some little patchwork and um rent it and then upgrade it over time. But typically they're in such bad shape. We have to do a full week model. Gotcha.
0: Okay. Now, so are you starting the clock as soon as you purchase for three to five years? Are you waiting for a certain profit margin to, to come across the desk when you see what the, you can sell? The, it for? So, so
1: I just throw um, three to five out, years out there. Like it, it, there is no hard timeline. Gotcha. Um, I, I'm just ultimately buying. because h- Here's the thing. Like if you don't need the money, why sell it? Right. Hmm. So what are you going to do with it and i was having a conversation with um, a a broker who he's got a couple fourplexes and uh, he was telling me what they were worth and i think they're almost paid off and he's thinking about selling it but he's like "Eh, capital gains i'm like look if you don't need the money don't sell it now if you have a place where if you sell it and you like you can go invest it in like this apartment or all these other houses and you can make more money fine like cool like just take the capital gains or 1031 it But if you don't have that opportunity cost and you don't need the money, don't sell it or refinance because you can refinance tax-free and pull some money out and then do whatever else you want with it.
2: Mm
1: -hmm. Um, So that's the strategy. It's not, I'm going to buy it for three to five years and then sell it. It's I'm going to buy it. I'm going to let it go through this process. And at a time I'm going to pick one of the properties that's either not performing as well because it's, Went up in value, and now it's not cash flowing because taxes and insurance, or is the biggest pain in the butt because of the area, the tenants, uh, like the property itself, and just kind of a money money pit. Um, so one of those things, you know, we're gonna pick some some of those properties, one or two a year, sell it, take all the proceeds, and invest it back into not just one, but more than one, because that would, that does so you grow a portfolio. Right. Right. Okay. So now you know you just bought this property,
0: you flipped it down the line for a hundred grand and in in gross. Um, Now, are you doing deals in between then? When did your wife kind of realize that this thing was real and it was super powerful? Was it after that, that sell or was it, you know, right? uh,
1: Well, once we rented it out, once we bought it and rented it out, like she was, she was in. So, I mean, she actually, that was the one and only appointment she went on. house smelled so horrendous (laughs) like she had to politely excuse herself while I closed the deal so after that she didn't want anything to do with the acquisition side she was good with project management like she she liked the like making ugly homes pretty she liked that part of it but um not so much the sales on the front end um but yeah we had so deal number two same thing bought it we we were originally gonna flip it We, we I think this was like a month later And it was a foreclosure. And when we bought it, the intention was to flip it, just like the first one. We would have made about 25 or 30 grand. Same thing. We held it. Gross profit three and a half years later 120,000. Wow. Not bad. Not bad at all. Deal three, same thing. Um, But this one, actually, we weren't quite um, uh, sure on the sale part. So uh, we did end up re- renting this one out. I think, we, I think we may have tried to sell it, but we weren't really getting the price, so we rented it out. Mm-hmm. And ended up selling it three or so years later and made like, I don't know, 40, 50 grand on that one. As opposed to we really just weren't going to make anything on the floor. Yeah. Deal four, a 29-unit apartment complex. Um, so all that actually, those acquisitions happen within maybe an 18-month time period. Wow. Um. And then after that point, we started. We did do a couple flips, quit the job. Now, like, hey, look, like, now we need income. So now I have to flip because I, I need I need to eat. Right. <laughs> but um, it, really, if if they wouldn't have cut my salary, I would have rode that out and bought more rentals. And uh, not because once it, once you lose that income source from somewhere, you got to replace it. So I had to replace it with flipping. And if I didn't have to do that, it would have held more rentals. Which, in the long term, in hindsight, would have been more strategic, but keeping still in perspective that, that you know they cut my salary, so I didn't have a choice. <laughs> <laughs>
0: right? Okay.
2: So, so those first three deals that you made were those private finance, like privately funded, or were you using your income? I to... use hard money. Okay.
1: On I actually, on all four of them, the, those first four deals, I use a hard money company.
2: Okay. Right, and then the I guess the apartment complex you use. uh,
1: no, hard money.
2: Wow.
0: Okay. Yeah. And now how did you, how did you come across that? Cause you went from single family, single family, single family to boom, 29 unit apartment complex. What was the switch there?
1: Yeah. Yeah. So it was from a wholesaler and, um, that one was our lottery ticket. Mm. Uh, it was a lottery ticket that we watched slowly burn. um, so uh, I'll, I'll kind of explain that. <laughs> what does it mean? <laughs> yeah, no. Think think about it. It's a lottery ticket that's got a million dollars on it, and then you're watching it like burn up. So you're actually watching like your your ticket out like disappear right, oh. right before your eyes. So we bought it knowing now I'm like 26 years old at the time, and um, uh, we got a baby on the way, and we bought it so ridiculously cheap that I could screw it up and still make money. Well, I screwed it up and still made money. So it was around seventeen thousand dollars a door. Anyone that knows anything about apartment complexes and the prices today, like seventeen thousand dollars a door, like you can barely buy a shack for that. Um, like your 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 gang, like uh, your your war zone communities are gonna get like triple that today. So and this wasn't this this was run down and it was not war zone. Um, so this is how cheap we bought it. It did need a lot of work. We put 180 thousand or so into it after after we bought it. So we bought it like I think it was like 350 or so thousand. Put an extra 180 into it, and I did do my due diligence. I had to refinance out of hard money, not cheap money. Mm-hmm. So did the rehab, got it leased up. Now I'm going back to all the lenders that I talked to, and they're all like, "Hey, yeah, it looks great, it looks great, it looks great." Nah, I'm sorry, we're, we're just not going to do the loan. Um, lending was tight for commercial at the time. 2012, mm-hmm. pretty tight. So they're like, yeah, we're just not going to, we're just not doing any multifamily lending or that's too small for us. Um, a lot of things where I was like, yeah, that would be really good information when I brought the deal to you six months ago. Um, right. Got all the way to a point where we actually had a lender say, hey, I'll do the deal. At. loan to cost. Mm. Well, loan to cost and loan to value. What those mean is loan to value means they'll take the full value of what this property is worth. And then they'll give you the percentage based on the full value. Mm. That's what I had done before. That's the BRRRR strategy. Mm -hmm. Because when you rehab it, you push the value up and then you're able to refinance out based off the new value. The cool thing about that strategy is if the new value, if you push that up and when you refinance out, you actually could be have no money out of pocket because they'll basically just refinance your entire existing loan out. Mm -hmm. Well, they said we'll do 65% loan to cost, which meant the price that we bought it at, they'll take that number and then only give us 65% of that. which was going to have us bring well over a hundred thousand dollars to closing. And I'm like, we put 180 grand into it. I don't have any more money. Mm -hmm. Like, like this property is worth 1.2 million. Like I don't have Mm -hmm. any more money. Like why, why can't we do this? It was just, it kept going. No, 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 no. The problem was I did the deal by myself and I didn't joint venture. I didn't work with a partner who had experience with, and relationships with commercial lenders, with multifamily lenders and knew what they were doing. I'm a single family guy trying to dip my toes in multifamily. That was my mistake. That's a mistake with uh, being naive, not knowing. Uh, But I did still prove the first thing true. I bought it cheap enough to make those mistakes and still afford to make money. So we made a hundred grand, we sold it to another investor. He got it appraised. For the $1.2 million, I thought it was worth originally. So I was right there. I was just wrong on my execution. So, in hindsight, when I'm going to do a deal like 384 units in Daytona Beach, Florida, like I'm going to partner with people who know what they're doing. So now I can have intelligent conversations with other lenders, other sellers, other buyers of multifamily. And I'm a general partner in a they in like a, like a 50 something million dollar property. And, and, and I want to keep this in perspective. I'm a small general partner in this deal. I'm, I didn't like, this is not my deal. I got to participate in it, which I was happy to because now I can learn from within mm-hmm. and I can also have that resume builder. Right. Um, so if I would have done that in the beginning, because mm-hmm. this is what happened with my heart of the money lender, sold it, told him the story told him the story and he said, well, you should have just told me I would have partnered with you on it. I'm like, oh. <laughs> so, but Hey, oh, man. I, I was selfish. I did the whole deal myself. Um, mm-hmm. I paid for, you're always going to pay. You're going to pay through experience. Or you're going to pay in money. Um, I guess I paid a little bit in both there.
0: <laughs> Interesting.
1: Okay. So now did you not,
0: did you choose not to partner with, with somebody because you believed that you could do it all by yourself?
1: Yeah. Okay. Well, your biggest cost like a, a partner is going to cost you in money way more than just going debt right so with and with single family by and large if you if you've got good mentors or resources or whatever and hard money lenders they can they can be a really good they're not mentors but a good guide because they know the market they know how these deals work because they do hundreds of them a month um But by and large, you you should be okay with the right due diligence, right guidance. But when you're dealing with something larger like that, like a half a million dollar loan that a 26 year old guy took out while still having a full-time job at the time. (laughs) um, Like had I gone with that joint like, like a partner, I could have given them the majority of the deal and I would have netted more both in the short term on that specific deal and in the long term, because I would have actually had more equity being a part of a bigger deal, but I would have had a more experience watching that deal unfold from A to Z, and then taking that experience into subsequent deals afterwards. So, I mean, I don't know what the net effect of being a little greedy on that just by trying to do it on myself cost, but, um, it's hindsight. And I mean, take those lessons forward. Sure. You learn from it, right? Yeah.
2: <laughs> so obviously, uh, Hayden and I are both young guys, uh, and you were young getting started. Uh, was that something tough that you had to deal with getting people to take you seriously, get talking to these, uh, hard money lenders. Uh, and you no. know, obviously, No,
1: but it, you have it a little bit different. Um, so, like it's cool now being an entrepreneur mm-hmm. is cool investing wholesaling all that. It's cool. Like when I was doing it, like I, I'm the black sheep. Like, what are you doing? Like you're to call it like literally all my college buddies are like, they thought I was weird. Like I'm over like <laughs> doing like direct sales and like knocking on doors. Like it just wasn't cool then as it is now. But um, as far as hard money companies, they don't really care as much about you. They care about the property. Now, they they do care about you because they want you to do well, because they want to loan to you again. Mm -hmm. And they don't want to take the property from you. But they're only going to put you in a situation where if you screw it up, they can take it away from you and they'll still make money. So that's why it's a good aligned interest. They're only going to put you in a deal or loan you money on on terms that make sense. Mm -hmm. If you choose to buy it anyway and want to bring more money to the table, they will let you do it. But now that's, that's, that, that's on you. But otherwise good hard money companies, they'll tell you, Hey, look, like if you want to do this deal, you're going to have to bring this much money because we only think it's worth this or this, or, Hey, I think you're um, being a little underestimating on the repairs. Like um, it's probably going to cost you this. Hey, if you've never done a deal, I mean, just listen to them
2: mm-hmm
0: All right gotcha so now you've done that you did the 29 and then you, you you kind of flopped on it a little bit you still made money um now did the 384 unit did that come across at the same time or was that a little bit after
1: no no that, that's within the last couple of months
0: okay yeah okay yeah so 26 years old doing the 29 units where do you go from there
1: uh we just start flipping uh, at this point um we, we've got a few rentals And, uh, I think pretty much every deal after that, we, we, we flipped, we may have had a one or two rentals short-term, uh, but for the most part, we're starting to flip because now we have a good base on the equity and we actually want to scale it. So we start flipping a couple of year. And then in 2015, you know, when I quit my job, that's when we really start to scale. And I forget the exact numbers on what we did on a particular year. Maybe it was like. 14 16 deals then I went to like 26 deals or so and then 35 and so forth but all in all it's a little over 200 um, plus the apartment complex uh, like the the 384 unit one and I would actually trade 200 properties flipped which which does include the rentals um, to have 20 paid off rentals like At the end of the day, flipping is no, it's the same thing as a job. Right. Like you have to do it and then you get paid. Okay. Once you stop doing it, stop getting paid, stop going to work, stop getting paid. If you're, if you're a real estate agent, you stop working with buyers and sellers. You don't earn commission. That's fine. Wholesaling. Like you wholesale deals, you get paid once you stop. So it's a very active business Mm -hmm. and um, it's not that you can't scale it from a flipping perspective. It's, it's very challenging scaling that because high capital intensive, high labor intensive, you have a lot of moving parts. Um, and then you've got timelines you have to hit. And if you're off on those, then that's when you um, put yourself in a position to lose money. So um, wholesaling, I think is a little bit easier to scale because other than marketing and sales, it's not, not quite as uh, capital intensive. Right. But, um, ultimately it's passive income. Like Mm -hmm. we, we started reflecting and market, you know, getting a little bit more competitive. We're having to pay more than we like for deals. And then it was like, Hey, look, like, what did we get in this for? This is a huge machine that we're spending 30 grand a month on marketing at the time. And we're like, like, it's stressful. Like we got termites in this house and like this project's like 15 grand over budget and, Like, yeah, great. We made money on this one, but now we got to go like find five more. (laughs) Um, So it's like, where does that stop? Because at the end of the day, once it stops, like all the money, we're back to square one. Like, well, what do you do? Mm -hmm. So we just decided, hey, look, let's, let's scale this back. Start buying more rentals. Do the slow flip strategy. And then once you get a big enough pipeline, you could sell three, four, five houses a year or maybe one, two houses a year because they're in the pipeline. And now you've got your 50, 60, 70, 80 grand profits per deal Mm -hmm. in a relatively passive basis. So that, that, that was the, the part of the catalyst. And then, um, you know, I'm personally not a, I'm I'm not a manager. Uh, Um, I'm not a good, I guess, uh, yeah, I'm not, I'm not a good manager. It's something I learned uh, building building a team, I'm not really good at that. So it's like, eh, do I really enjoy that? No, I, I don't. Um, I like working and collaborating with people, but actually managing them, not not really. So um, building a huge team, where you've got four, six, eight people, maybe across different markets and all that, like we were thinking, like you know, I, I don't think I want to do that. Um, nor do I think I'm the best person capable of doing that. Um, I'd rather actually be a little bit smaller, a little bit leaner, higher profit. I'm okay working because I enjoy it and hold more. Because if mm. we can lower our overhead to a point, I don't have to flip. I can I can hold it. We can make money other ways through Airbnb, through commissions and the occasional flips. Okay. So is that what you're working on now is, is building that out and you know, getting to the point
0: where you can sell off those that was five to 60 a, a month.
1: Yeah, yeah. And we're, so we're selling, um, we sold a duplex earlier this year. Um, actually, just recorded a case study on it. And it'll probably be published soon. Oh, cool. But um, so that was a duplex that it was worth nothing. We bought it just for the income because um, it's in a flood zone and a rundown area. It was just kind of an ugly property. But uh, we bought it because it cash flowed really well. Um, and then we knew time would work in our favor. Well, cash flowed really well and time worked in our favor and we sold it and we made 90 grand. Um, so, and then we got another one. Now this one's a bit crazier because it's only one year. So we also bought it ridiculously cheap. It is a flood house. Um, we never wanted to keep it as a rental, but we knew it was the only way we could buy it. And it cash flowed like crazy. And because it, it was a foreclosure in the lender, Actually gave us favorable terms because they wanted it off their books, and so we're like, "Cool, we'll buy it." Because it's it was one hundred twenty thousand for a three thousand square foot house and a nice subdivision in Conroe, Texas, just north of Houston, um, and it's an area where parts of it historically flood. This one flooded. I bought it fully remodeled. It was already remodeled. Well. Some of them investor, I think they were out in out of state investor, bought a whole bunch of flood houses and got themselves in a bad situation, couldn't sell them. So mm-hmm. this home had been on the market a long time, got foreclosed on. So I buy this house that should be worth over 300,000. I buy it for 120 because it flooded and like no one wants it. So, but I know I can rent it out. We rent it out for two grand a month. Not bad. Mm-hmm. Um, I've got two years interest only at nine hundred dollars a month. So add in some taxes and insurance, like I'm, I'm making five six hundred dollars a month. Not bad. Yeah. So I can wait that out. We got flood insurance. I'm good. I can wait it out. The only thing we had to do to this house is put a new HVAC in. So we're all in for ten grand. Um, it was a like HVAC and a couple of little piddly things. And um, but a year later, and the tenant was a the tenant in this one, she was a pain in the butt. One of the biggest pain tenants we've ever had. So my wife and I, we looking at it like, look, this tenant's a pain. We know she's going to move out. She'll move out in July. The market today is crazy. You all know, y'all, I mean, anyone watching this knows that. So we can let her move out early and get on the head of this because our neighbor just sold their house for $315,000 and it flooded too. So let's get out. Let's let her out early. Take advantage of this wave. Like this is because I we underwrote the deal that it would be worth 190. That's what I thought at the time it was worth last year. So this time last year with 190, we bought at 120. I was prepared like that would have been a good profit because we really didn't put anything right. in the deal. But now we see our neighbors got 315, and we see other like homes in the area and like the ones that didn't flood like they're getting 400 plus. Um, so I'm like, this is just not. like, let let's let her out. She was happy to take that. Good riddance, and uh, get it on the market. And uh, we didn't get anywhere near um, 315. Um, we're under contract now. It'll close and um, should it's supposed to close next week, but that'll get pushed. But um, we're under contract for 255. Home run. Mm-hmm. Wow, uh-huh. When last year, I mean, that's 60 grand over what I was thinking in one year. And last year, yeah. So I'll take it.
2: Yeah, yeah and absolutely. It,
1: we really didn't want long-term anyway.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Wow. So what are your uh, your requirements that you're looking for in these properties?
1: For a rental, not much. It needs to needs net cash flow, including capital expenditures. Um, so all PITI, So, you got principal, interest, taxes, and insurance, and capital expenditures, vacancy, and repairs. After that, depending on the area, it can break even. It's all about controlling the asset. Mm -hmm. Now, I want it to cash flow. Actually, (laughs) at that point, if I get $1, $200 a month, I'm happy. Gotcha. But I'm okay with it breaking even. Because I know ultimately you don't like rental properties, cash flow, I talk about it too, but I also say like it's it's not a cash flow game. No one's gonna get rich off two hundred dollars a month.
2: Right. But
1: once you've already covered your base for capital expenditures, for vacancy, for repairs, and then just your general overhead, like at that point, you just let your tenants pay off your asset. Mm-hmm. And I like to throw this trick question out there. Um well, we'll do this live on the air. Um, I, don't, I don't think we've talked about this before, but maybe we have. So, um, just rough guess: how many properties do you think it takes to be a real estate millionaire?
0: Oh gosh, In a single family. Uh huh. Oh man, it, it's going to take a lot because yeah. average is what I mean. A really good one is going to cash flow two hundred dollars a month. Okay. Okay. I would say I'm going to guess. I'm going to guess
2: really high. Five hundred. All right. Okay. I I would go with um, if you're shooting for being a millionaire in 30 years, it would take I don't know 10 homes that are a hundred thousand dollars, but you know,
1: Yeah, yeah. Okay, so Austin, you're, you're actually tracking with me. I think Hayden, you were thinking more cash flow. Oh, I was
2: thinking. I was
0: thinking. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Okay. So I see what you're saying. You're paying off. Yeah. Six. Okay. So gonna be six. Four homes. to
2: six.
1: All wow. you have to do is let your tenants pay them off.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Now you can. So if you bought two a year. You did that for three years, boom, real estate millionaire. All that means is you control a million dollars in assets, gotcha. ish, depending <laughs> on your market. Um, you let your tenants pay them off, you're a millionaire. Like you, you can't retire. It's not going to let yeah. you like be the next Grant Cardone. <laughs> but if you're, if, you're, if your job is just to build some wealth, have a tiny little bit of cash flow, but ultimately just build wealth and you're gonna work your job and, and do your other side gigs, like boom, that does it. Because really you're, it's more than a million because they're going to go up in value. So it's probably $2 million in, in real estate assets that you have. So if you want to be do it longer by one a year for 10 years, like it doesn't take as much like, you don't have to buy apartment complexes to do that. It's very <laughs> simple. One, two, three, five, well, let's say three to five, three to five rental properties anyone can do over a five, 10 year period. Just let tenants pay them off. Manage them like a professional. Like, don't just set them and forget right. them. They'll treat you well. Don't treat it like a. Don't like spend all the cash flow. Don't treat it like a cash flow game and let that aid your life because it's not until you you need more for that to really be important. But um, if you just treat it as a equity buildup, it'll do it.
0: Gotcha. Hmm. That's a good point. Okay. So now looking back, that kind of ties into what you wish you had done starting out you said you'd wish you'd you'd rather have had 20 that are paid off rather than 200 flips right so what would you have done differently back then to get to those 20 paid off
1: i mean um so paid off it would actually have them paid off today probably not because i would i would leverage to a degree into um what i'm doing now with multifamily but um ultimately I, i wouldn't have scaled so if you look back at mistakes um, we were attempting to scale because, Hey, if we can do 20 flips a year, why can't we do 80? Like it just, I mean, it's just adding numbers. We just add more people, send more marketing out. Um, that's, I, I know very, very, very few people who have done that successfully with a, on the flipping side, wholesaling a little bit different. seems, um, I, I'm not a big wholesaler, so it's hard for me to judge it too well, but, um, at least from flipping, Everyone that I know that tried to scale flipping is either out of the business or scaled back down. Mm. So, And I'm one of them, I, I scaled back down. Um, so we would have, if I can go back, we, we would have just stayed right at our 20, 25 flips. It wouldn't have take, taken more than one full-time assistant, maybe a VA or two, and I would have, I would have been good um and then i also i wouldn't necessarily had to sell 20 i could have actually sold 10 and held 10 Mm -hmm. or maybe i didn't have to do 20 could have done 15 sold 10 did five now i got a six-figure job essentially flipping houses but i'm getting five a year that i'm holding as assets and uh i mean historically looking at depreciation that would have been really nice but it's it's all hindsight but um, i'm uh, I mean, I've got, let's see, I'm almost 40. So I've got two more lifetimes. I'll live till 120. So I've got, I've got two more <laughs> lifetimes in me. Um, we've got plenty of time to build up easily. Um, okay. Yeah, yeah, so, medicine's good. I take my vitamins, uh, exercise. So. <laughs> so Austin and I had kind of
0: talked about that, uh, the idea of being a millionaire only takes a couple houses, right? Just that are paying for themselves. Mm-hmm. So now, but we didn't look at flipping them. Um, this was a, ru- a run a while back. Austin, I don't know if you remember that, but, uh, we were super jazzed up because we had just figured that out. Um, but now we hadn't, again, we hadn't talked about flipping and we had tur- talked about buying them turnkey. What, what would be your thoughts on that? Just something we found on a, one of those, the websites you see where you can buy those turnkey properties, uh, uh, maintaining a tenant, not doing anything crazy to it, not flipping it to HGTV levels.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, but
0: again, just keeping someone in there and having it occupied and let that ride out over the years.
1: So you're you're talking about you buying turnkey rentals from some some investor or wholesaler right yeah i mean you can you're just going to pay more for it mm-hmm. i mean because right. someone's doing a lot of the work like right. you're basically at that point paying for yield mm-hmm. uh, you're going to pay for a rate of return uh, which in this market is going to be a premium um, to the point where in this market it actually might be pretty close to full value if not just full value of, of what a retail buyer would would pay it's um i have sold homes and in, in neighborhoods in houston that they're not rental neighborhoods they're neighborhoods that you live in you grow, grow a family in not even your first time home buyer neighborhoods like your upgraded neighborhoods and then i find out the cash buyer who bought the house rented it out bought it as a rental hmm. so i mean in this market you'll have to compete with them is there anything wrong with it no not at all do it um And I think for the those who have full time jobs, or uh, just very demanding jobs, and they don't, or they just don't like all the dirty aspect of flipping, right, remodeling all that, good strategy.
0: Yeah, because I had heard it originally from I think the Bigger Pockets podcast. Some guy called himself the lazy investor because he just bought a rental, um, bought two a year or something, and it ended up um, paying off. And he was retired down the road in a few years. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. I thought it was super
1: interesting. Yeah. So we, now, if you're, if you're going to do that, what's the difference between doing that and doing an apartment complex? It's the same thing. Mm-hmm. So I mean, with, with an apartment, you're buying a business. So you're right. buying a yield. Um, now a lot of the yields, I mean, these, these properties, you're actually looking for some value add opportunity to deferred maintenance rents that aren't at market value, stuff like that. Um, so you can force some appreciation, but it's the same thing. Um right a bit more scalable probably because you can actually become a limited partner and you don't have to do all the crazy stuff there and, um, and get some pretty good returns. So, um, but I mean, single family, multifamily, they're they're different. Right.
0: Right. Yeah. So I think me and Austin are on the same page. We had this idea a while back about doing the, uh, the turnkey idea or, or just something along those lines, right. To where we're, we're actively doing that with our money. And then we're raising money, To buy apartments because we both want to be retired—not retired, retired, retired—but financially free in the next five to seven years. So, I mean, what would you say? What advice would you give to us, knowing that that's our goals, knowing that that was kind of our plan? What would you say?
1: Um, You're saying be retired in five to seven years,
0: right? To where to where I don't have to work to pay the bills, to stay at home and raise children, right? Because that's that's our ultimate goal. I want to be able to. To be able to raise my children, um, you know, along with my wife, and having working being an option, obviously, you know, possibly still working, um, but having the opportunity to stay home when I want to stay home.
1: Yeah. Um. I mean, yeah. Freedom is always good. Um. I mean, you can whatever that number takes, whatever that is, you can always jot that down and then back the way into it. So what I mean, if that's six grand a month, ten grand a month, twenty grand a month, just figure out what that is. And then figure out what the average per door profit you're gonna get or yield that it's gonna to take to get you here. So it's a pretty easy formula. And then you can figure out like, okay, well, if if this is it and I want to get there in six years, well, I need to be able to do this like every single year. Knowing also your first year or your first hurdle, so say it was 10 grand a month. Well, that first thousand a month might actually be the hardest. Um And then they get a little bit easier, a little bit easier. And then probably the last little bit actually comes pretty quickly. Um, So there's that snowball effect. Um, But the difference between like doing personal money in one area and like diversifying and raising money for multifamily, I mean, why not do both? Like you can do personal money in both, raising money for both. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. Gotcha. Sweet.
2: So, looking forward, uh, what are your goals for the next five years, ten years? Just looking forward.
1: Uh, Yeah. um, Right. At the the current time, the the main focus from an investing standpoint is multifamily. It's just it's the easiest way for us to scale the passive nature that we're looking for. So, I'm 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 actually looking to partner with good general partners and operators that are. buying properties, buying good assets. Um, in general, I'm I'm not looking for huge uplifts. I'm looking for maybe some slight value add opportunity, but performing assets in good solid markets that have long-term growth potential. Um, and I'm also looking for my own opportunities where I can sponsor the deal and bring some of these partners that I know, and I've got to know over the years and trust, bring them in and, and do them together. So, um outside of that got 129 agents on the real estate team nationally with real team yeah we had like three more join this week and i don't even well one of them i know who he is but the other two i i don't know it's growing so quick right um so so quickly that um it's kind of insane and I underestimated how quickly it would grow. (laughs) Otherwise I would have actually worked a lot harder in the beginning. Um, But it's cool because I mean, we've established relationships. Like one of the guys that we met was at a real estate conference. His name is Matt Gardner. He's in Dustin, Florida. We met him in San Diego at a conference. He got his license and like he was in the air force, but like kind of planning his next steps and like the dude's crushing it, like a two-time icon agent um, which I, Icon agents are they're like the top one two percent agents in the company, and like he was able to do that on like le- twice in less than three years in the business, and he's got several hundred doors um, that for multifamily and and also a mobile home park, and then he's doing Airbnb. The dude is just crushing it. So mm-hmm. being able to partner uh-huh. with folks like that, and then of course he's got a network of people that I can collaborate with, and other folks that. Um, you know, I've established relationships with. So that's been very, very rewarding and uh, provided some opportunities that I never expected before. Um, One of the agents that just joined this week is someone locally that I've known for a long time. Um, We weren't, we're not close, but we just known each other because we're in the same circle, Mm -hmm. but now we have an opportunity to actually work together. Um, And it means something for both of us. And um, so, you know, EXP be allowed for that opportunity. And I'm really looking forward to, um, you know, strategizing and, and kind of seeing how we can add value to his community and uh, help him grow that community that, I mean, he's already really successful, but um, we're looking for taking it to even newer height, uh, bigger heights.
0: Well, that's awesome.
1: Yeah. I'm excited to hear more about that.
0: So uh, Chris, we appreciate you being on it. We just want to wrap it up here, get you out of here. I know you got a family to tend to a lot of business matters, of, of course. Uh, so I just want to ask you a last couple questions here. Um, God forbid, if you lost everything today, how would you work to bring it all back?
1: Um, my biggest asset is I don't give up. So okay. like if I need to eat, I'll go get a job. Um, but I would actually probably just go get a job with one of the folks that, I know very well, like some of these investors that like an investor of mine, he's looking for a new COO because his other COO, like just not working out. Well, like I would have loved that opportunity. Like I I didn't even think about that growing up. Um, like To to go find some mentor that you could just work for and like learn with. So I'd probably find someone like that, especially in the multifamily space or an investment firm. And um, meanwhile, invest on the side um and, and just hustle. So I have my real estate license, so that'd be easy. I could go knock on doors all day long if I had to, and like build some houses. Um, right. but yeah, <laughs> just just hustling essentially, right? Yeah, I mean, network that should never go away, mm-hmm. right? Now the the word hustle actually can be um it can be confused with work eighty hours a week. Nothing wrong with that. It's not. Healthy or unhealthy, it just is. Now, if you're doing that at the detriment to your health, friends, your family, like you just need to understand that you've got a short window before mm-hmm. you're gonna redline and you're gonna you're gonna hurt yourself or something else, and like it's nice. just that won't be good. Could you do that for three to six months, get past like some hurdles and then like kind of pull back and bounce re- recalibrate? Absolutely. So um yeah, and I, I can definitely hustle. I get up at 4.30 to 5 o'clock in the morning just because I enjoy it. Um, it's also <laughs> my favorite limited quiet time <laughs> since I have kids.
2: Gotcha. Okay. So uh, what's some things that you want the audience to take away uh, from this episode if they're listening to you?
1: Um, Man, a lot to unpack. Work. are fine mentors. Okay. And don't be a mentor doesn't mean you pay 30, 40 grand to someone to go teach you how to invest in real estate. Mm -hmm. I've done that too. Like there's, I'm not saying that's bad, um, but you don't have to do that. You can actually get paid to learn. Like if I would have known, like, so Eddie Gant, local, local investor in the Houston area, flipped like 2000 houses. If I would have thought of, Hey, he's got a hard money company that I can actually just go work for and probably make less than what I was making, but learn far more about the industry that would have made me so much more like, boom, I would have have done that in a heartbeat. Mm -hmm. Just didn't think about that. So fine. Don't undervalue networking and relationships, find ways to add value. Um, Don't say pick your brain. That's just a personal pet peeve. (laughs) Don't don't say, Hey, can I invite you out to coffee to pick your brain? Um, Most, uh, uh, Don Costa, he's a, he's a big flipper. He's one of the very few flippers that I know have scaled successfully. Okay. Um, probably from a flipping standpoint, like in, in, in a small operation, I say small, 200 flips a year, um, one of the very few wow. that he's done. But um, he actually says, you know, once someone says pick your brain, like boom, out. like <laughs> It's just like all because all that means is, hey – let me go like put a vacuum cleaner to your head. And and on top of that, you're very busy, but I actually want you to spend an extra hour and a half, two hours with me while I consume everything without adding anything in value. Really what you should say is, um, Hey, kind of new in the industry. um, I mean, you could you could ask for a pointer. Do you have any quick tips like a, like a book, maybe I should read or a networking event um, I should go to. And then, hey um i'm getting to learn this area. Do you have any homes in this area that I could check out for you that that you, you need some pictures like um, learn that way like actually provide value but um, yeah don't say pick your brain <laughs> <laughs>
0: that's funny okay, so exactly like that. so would that be for you as well you you would like somebody to maybe you know it sounds like ask some advice and then slowly like provide value to you maybe run a run and check out a property while you're busy one afternoon or bring you a deal. Is, is that sort of the, the way to your heart as it seems?
1: I mean, I'll be much more receptive to it. And I've had that like several years ago, I would have been able to use that more like today because I'm, I'm not running on a flipping machine. I don't necessarily need the property checks. Um, I am going to Brazoria, Texas tomorrow. So yeah, if anyone wanted to pick up a lock <laughs> box and had super access, um, I would have taken them on that. But um, yeah, I mean, I'm definitely going to be much more receptive to it. I may not have the need. Like there's always that. If I don't have the need, I just don't have the need. Um, At that point, Hey, come join my community, like network, collaborate. I tell everyone that like, dude, if you want to learn, I've got like a community and like, you can just go and like talk to other people and I'll be happy to chime in. Cause I I prefer group type interaction because that way, you ask a question. Well, there's probably five other people that didn't ask the question, but they had the question. Mm -hmm. Now everyone can learn as opposed to me texting you. Right.
2: Well, um, we were reading your bio before the, uh, the interview and I noticed that you were a private pilot and you, uh, have finished an Ironman. Is it just one or, uh,
1: just one iron. Um, just one. It's going to take some convincing for me to do another one. For my wife. <laughs> it, it's, was, a second, it's like a second job to uh, yeah. train for that. Um, well, to train for it well, it's like a second job. I actually didn't. I probably trained less than half of what you should. Personal choice. I was willing to accept the pain that came with that. It's fine. fine. I, I met my goal, which was finishing it. And, uh, I'll, I'll do another one. Um, when that is, I, I want to do one before I'm 40. So I guess I got like a year and a half left. Um, so we'll, we'll see.
2: Yeah. I've done two as well. Um, uh, so yeah, I did one right at 18. Then I did one at 19. And then I was like, yeah, I, that, that was going to be my question is, cause I get that all the time. Oh, when's your next one? So before you're 40 is what you're go- shooting for.
1: Yeah. I've got that. I want to do a century run. Um, then there's the Brazos bend, um, 100 that I'd like to run. Um, and really, so I do, I do those events because I'm actually not a good endurance athlete, but I do it just because I can, not that I'm good at it. So I'm a horrible, horrible, horrible runner. Um, (laughs) I actually don't like saying that, um, but I guess let's say this: I'm, if you look at the crowd, I will not be one of the fastest runners. Right? Okay. <laughs> but that's okay because I know all I got to do is put one foot in front of the other. All I got to do is buy one house a year or two houses a year. I, I don't have to go by and you know be the next Grant Cardone. It's those steps, mm-hmm. and then I'll figure it out. I'll get stronger. The next time I'll be a little bit better, a little bit better, a little bit better, and then. But either way, you're making forward progress. That was my Ironman strategy. If you gotta walk, just don't stop. That's okay. Mm-hmm. It's okay yeah. to walk. Just keep walking forward, and then you're always one step closer to the finish line. Yeah, it's okay if it takes you a little while. It'll just be a long day. <laughs> it's it's still a long day. It, yeah. it, it is a long day, um, <laughs> but I already I wrote that off in my head. Long day. That's fine. I'll be in my bed tomorrow. Um, it's just one day. It's yeah. just one day glorious forever. I the remember, pain
2: is more than a day though.
1: <laughs> yeah, everyone's rigor mortis. So. Yeah, <laughs>
0: I remember going to watch the start of Austin's and then I went home for the rest of the day and I came back at night. I was like, I cannot believe I was sitting on the couch all day and he was riding to Houston and back Houston and back and swimming to my It was I just it's I can't believe what you guys have gone through. So that's. Super impressive. But Chris, we appreciate you being on the show. Final question here. Where is the best place for our guests to reach out to you?
1: Yeah. um, I mean, one of the main hubs, uh, Invested Agents, InvestedAgents.com has all my socials. We're Facebook, YouTube. We put a video a day on YouTube. Like there's Uh over 300 videos now Um, from short-term rentals, Airbnb. Well, okay, Airbnb, short-term. You know, the, the slow flip strategy, um, marketing, branding, raising private money, all that stuff. Um, but if you go to on there, investagents.com, there's a button that says community. You can click on it and um, join our free community. It's, just a, it's a group of other real estate agents and investors. We have a lot of resources that you can take advantage of and um, collaborate, send me a message, ask a question. Um, yeah, love to connect with you. Awesome. awesome. Well, thank
0: you, Chris. Everybody reach out to him uh, make sure you tell him how great he is and how he should run that other Ironman um, <laughs> and make sure to not ask to pick his brain because no, 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 no. large. No, <laughs> no. Awesome. All right. Well, Chris, uh, really pre- appreciate you being on the show. Uh, we learned a lot from you and we hope to have you on sometime in the near future. Thank you. Thank you. All right, everybody, that was our show with Chris Bounds. Uh, I mean, I think it was a great episode. I really liked how he, he didn't overthink things in the beginning when he became interested. He took what he was told. He fully drank the Kool-Aid and was all into real estate. He didn't stop and overthink about what actions to take. He just started taking action and started knocking doors. And it was three months, as you heard, before he got that first deal. But after after that first deal, he was off to the races. So um, I thought that was super inspiring and encouraging. Awesome. what were some of your... Key takeaways,
2: yeah, I loved how he was able to learn from those mistakes that he he said were mistakes, but really came out and made a hundred grand <laughs> off of it right um, but again, he uh pushed forward uh he realized that you know maybe scaling up his house flipping business wasn 't what he truly wanted in life and scaled it back down and pursuing multifamily now ma- that massive three hundred plus unit ap- apartment complex yeah, I mean, I think those are all great things, too, but something
0: that 's really going to stick with me was um his idea of being a millionaire off of just six houses i think is is such a cool idea and it's something that i think that anybody can do right i mean it doesn't take um a, a ton of experience or a ton of knowledge to to go buy six houses over the course of the next six years right you can you can do that just by saving up the down payment so yeah. i think that's that's super that's super inspiring and i mean i really enjoyed talking to chris he's obviously got a lot of experience and um has been doing this for quite some time. I mean, so I'm excited to see where he goes. I'm I'm glad he could be on the show and hopefully we'll get to say that we interviewed the man that was on the uh, bigger pockets episode, 670 something. So uh Austin, you got anything else to add?
2: Yeah, make sure you uh give our Instagram page a follow at the yes, Mulligan underscore please, underscore.
0: Please follow our Instagram, follow our TikTok. We will be this will be the first video we've posted, uh as well as our YouTube. So um I think the the username is the same there. Still don't know it. Still need to learn it. It's okay.
2: I'm the social media guy.
0: Yeah, that is not my department. Uh, All right. Well, everybody, we thank you for tuning in. Uh, Until next time, I am Hayden Wright.
2: And I am Austin Cole. Signing off. Signing off.